bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, Gina Brion here uh, to tell you that the episode of Mess in Progress that you're about to watch if you are on our Patreon or listen to if you are on any of the other podcast platforms is the very first episode that Catherine and I did via Zoom. So you'll hear us reference that a lot throughout the episode. Uh, and it's with one of my favorite people, Sharon Swab, who's been in the entertainment industry for a very long time, worn so many different hats, and it just has the best stories ever. So I hope you guys enjoy this fun episode, which is where it all began. Hey guys, and welcome to A Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host, Catherine G. Mendoza, a.k.a. Doza. Say hi to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> You're Doza now, officially. It's been like the fans of the podcast are calling you Doza. That's it. It's, it's a wrap. You're Doza. I, I know. I've had it in like a few of my actual personal comments on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, okay. So like, you're not going to tell people no, but then I'm also like, Anybody who doesn't listen to the podcast is probably like, why are they calling her Doza? But it's like, you should be listening. That's why. As a drug dealer of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Only on Wednesday. <laughs> only on Wednesdays. I'm Doza. And I handle hood stuff. Yo, it's so good to be back, guys. So we were, you know, in sort of podcast limbo. We were trying to find a place and worried about where we were going to be in our next studio and looking at different places and kind of considering our options. And then this whole pandemic hit and it was like, well, damn, what do we do now? So we started going live on Sundays with my crappy phone audio. Apple sent me a new phone stack. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I should just be gifted a phone by Apple at this point. But uh, yeah. now on this platform, you know, a lot of people were doing Zooms and we talked about it and, you know, we decided to just go for it. Yeah. I mean, I look at it like this. So I remember the first time I, I found out about Zoom was actually on a professional level. Like most of our meetings were through Zoom. So when people started talking about Zoom this, Zoom that, I was like, why are people having meetings? But I didn't realize that like, Zoom would be like used to this capacity, which it makes sense. Like, I feel like Zoom was made for this like situation. For us, it's almost perfect, like imperfect because the audio, if you guys are listening to this and there's an echo, please excuse, we're trying to figure this out. But it's perfect because it allows for video and audio. And we've always wanted a video aspect, but we just, you know, that's a setup, that's a whole situation. And now we have a little bit of both. So um, if people don't know, what, what, what's the service that we actually have now? So if they want to watch the video? Uh, we are gonna put the videos up on Patreon. Now, this is a site that I know a lot of podcasts use. So if you're up on the podcast game, you guys will already know how to get over to Patreon. But you can go to patreon.com slash mess in progress and the video content will be up on there. There is a charge for the video content. It's like $5, it's nothing crazy. But we wanted to have video content for this. Also for ourselves, if we do make it into another podcast studio, like when we get to another podcast studio to be ready to have been on camera and start being used yeah. to having a camera in the studio, 
and for you guys too, a little something extra. And we'll we'll be putting more stuff up on Patreon for you guys to download and see. Right now, it's sort of like in its experimental phase <laughs> with us, like it is with Zoom, where we're still finding out what we can put up there. Who knows? Mess in pro, mess in progress, like shirts or like hats might be coming up, like like <laughs> Doza shirts. We get some Doza shirts. Right. You know, Mess in progress mask, face mask. Ooh, yeah, titty face mask, the the, the titty face mask with mess in progress on them. Um, you know, you, you never know what we could, what we're gonna put up on there. It's a, it's a great way for podcasters themselves to put out more content and also to give something back to the fans to have product for you guys. Like a lot of podcasts do it. So you know, I was a little reluctant at first because anything that's new to me, I'm like, <laughs> like anything that's like. I get real weird with change and new things. But um, after talking to a couple of people, it was like, you know, it's the best way for us going into season two of Mess in Progress to grow and I feel like get to that next level. Yeah, I think also like, so one of our first videos other than this one, we have a video that we recorded, it's 30 minutes from a previous episode when we were in the studio, it was just Gina and I. But if you watch it, I honestly think like, I find us hilarious and I think some of y'all may agree, but I find it even funnier when you watch us. Like you see our expressions, you actually see that like, sometimes we say the same things at the same time or we finish a sentence. Like if we know what the other one's gonna say, but watching it, is actually more like you're invited into a different level of our friendship. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved for it to have been in person, like us really having that rapport, but this is the closest thing. And so it's giving you guys more, but allowing us to also just kind of express ourselves on two mediums in two di different ways. Um, so listeners, people who like audio, you got your podcast and yeah. people who like visual and audio, you got the other one as well. Um, and then we're also going to try to, uh, you know, have different guests this year, this year, this year, um, <laughs> previously on, um, no, but we're going to have, um, Gina and I both have a lot of different contexts in different states. And that was, that presented a problem when we were recording out of New York city. So zoom gives us the opportunity to invite friends from wherever, um, to join in. And, and kind of, that's kind of the upside. So we're trying to look at the upside of this and give you guys as much as we can. Yeah, I think it'll also- Why do we end things on the question? Yeah, I feel like it'll be a little facial chill also. Like, we'll be aware that we're on camera. So like, if somebody says something stupid, we can't be like- That's <laughs> our response will be like- I mean, we can. I mean, we, we can. Know. We will. <laughs> the first couple of times, there will be no, there will be no hiding the the lack of facial chill in what's going to be going on, which will be entertaining for you guys. But we'll have that moment where we're like, "Oh, I forgot, y'all can see my face." <laughs> in the shadows. Yeah, and I mean, G Gina's like an expert on camera. This is what she does. This is actually easing me in because I don't do this. So it actually makes me feel safe to be away from humans, just yeah. talking to a camera, so that the day that we actually do a in-studio one, or the day, the long-term goal of one day getting a mess in progress live, I don't feel weird in front, yeah. of, in front of other humans. So 
Just un- a lot of this is a uh, ease Catherine in to the because if y'all see Catherine on the street, please do not approach her like a <laughs> regular on-camera person because she will go into crab freak-out mode and will hide. Like, I know you. I know you. If somebody was like, oh my God, are you Catherine from Mess in Progress? You'd be like, shh. <laughs> right? I'd be like, who wants to know? <laughs> Who's asking? <laughs> Who's asking? Or, or, <laughs> <laughs> it takes because it does take some getting used to man like it takes some getting used to when you i mean i'm sure you've been with influencers before so like you've worked with them before they react with i mean they get recognized all the time and their reaction they have like a like a sort of planned reaction to that like after a while when you get recognized all the time you have the oh thank you so much blah 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 and you try to get out of the conversation as quickly as possible before it goes, you know, 10 minutes too long or 20 minutes too long or whatever. So I think, but for somebody who's not used to it, I could totally understand that initial, like, Ugh! like, Ugh! why are you talking to me? Make stranger danger. That's me. I would be totally frightened. Like, here's the thing. I've been with friends who get recognized. But my favorite part of that is that I am so irrelevant next to them that the people recognizing them gives me a reason to like creep away. Or sometimes I take on the responsibility of being like, like smiling and nodding, but then being like, um, we gotta go. Because then yeah, the yeah. blames me, not them, you know? That's but- the whole thing. Like when I'm with people that are like um, famous, like legit famous. Like, I might be a known comic, but there's people that are, like, legit famous that I roll with. And a lot of times, I think people think that there's going to be ego involved. And maybe for some other comics, there might be. But when I'm with, like, a legit famous person and they get recognized, I'm like, I dodge that bullet. And I become that person that's like, hey, man, so-and-so actually did it for Gabriel once. He was, he was, uh, he was in a conversation with somebody. And uh, the, it's funny because me and the photographer... Uh, that works with Gabriel normally, Anthony, we had this great friendship and I would, we were able to read each other real quick. He's another cancer like you. So uh, we connected right away. And um, I walked in and Gabriel's there with Anthony and he's talking to this dude and I could tell they wanted to get out of that situation. So the second I walked in, Anthony was like, oh, do they need us for that thing? And I was like, yeah, man, they told me to come over here and get you. Like, right away, without even skipping a beat, I was like, yeah, man, like, I, I got to come get you. And as soon as we walked out, Anthony was like, thanks for picking that up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I read you, I read you. It was like, that's the way out of this conversation. Because, like, I don't approach famous people. Like, that's the thing. Like, I could see my favorite artist, and I'll be like, yo, that's Mariah. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, what do I say to you in the first place? Like, I think it takes balls to even walk up yeah. to somebody, you know? And then to think that, like, okay, they're human beings, so whatever. Like, we all know that. But to yeah. know what to say, I don't know what to say to regular people. So famous people yeah. who I'm aware they have this a lot, I'm like, no, I, I've only spoken to famous people in, like, context. So if we're on the same set together and we're at the craft table getting food, yeah it's like peanuts that's when i speak to them but other than that what do you say 
beautiful day outside. No, they don't want to hear that. They don't know you. I was at the like, comedy cellar. One of the first times I was at the cellar was like the first month I was passed at the comedy cellar. I'm sitting at a table. And if you ever see me at the, at the cellar, I'm at a table by myself. I rarely sit at the comics table unless I know everyone at the comics table. If I don't know them, I'll sit there. Because then it's yeah. just an awkward conversation. So I'm sitting at the table, and one of the comics comes up to me. He's like, why aren't you sitting at the back table? Chris Rock. I was there. Because <laughs> like, I don't know him. <laughs> yeah, you were there. You were there with me. I was like, I don't know him. What am I going to do? Sit across from Chris Rock and be like, hey, great stuff. I'm a big fan. I'm just going to sit here and watch you talk to your real friends. Like, what kind of crazy? <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and do that. Anybody who knows Gina, first, like, I've been to the cellar with you a lot of times. Yeah. One thing, Gina, it, the, the comics table almost anywhere, but especially at the cellar, is like, it's like an invite only. And even if you're a comic and you're past there, it's still invite only. Yeah. Um, Gina, if she's not by herself, she's with another friend. And in that invite only, the friend is not allowed at the table. Like, I'm sorry, that's just weird. I feel like the only way you're allowed at the table is if you are Chris Rock and then you got a homie. Yeah. That's the only way you might be. But I remember because you, I think you turned to me and you were like, plus, you here. Like, yeah, what, I'm going to leave you? I'm going to go. I'm going to bounce on you. Like, bye, Catherine. Enjoy your little Right. I think you were like, I came here to chill with you, do my spot, have some hummus. <laughs> like, that was it. And it's like, I respect that. I mean, I would love to have a Plus, I feel like, and this is what... You froze. Say that again? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh, oh we've hit the Zoom problem. <laughs> I'm like, no, technical difficulties on Zoom. Now it just got interesting. Yeah, right? When you freeze. When you freeze, well, that... anything. That gives us a great opportunity to, um, so uh, we're doing our first 20 minutes, um, just kind of Gina and I. We are um, then having a guest come you know, through and kind of like crash our Zoom or crash our episode. So today in about five minutes, we will be having a guest. Can you do just like who our guest is, Gina? Yeah, we have a, a wonderful, wonderful woman that I've worked with before is uh, coming on to join us in a few minutes, God willing. Like, this is our first time having a guest, so bear with us if we have any technical difficulties because, you know, we give our guests a call-in time so that me and Kat can do the first, like, 20 minutes by ourselves, just kind of catching up, doing our homegirl stuff, and talking to y'all personally. Um, so once, once our guest gets on, which I'm hoping will go flawlessly, in my mind it's gone flawlessly, but we'll see uh, once we add another person to this. But... We're excited about having guests on, man. Like, like Kat was saying before, like we're getting we're getting people that are in the West Coast. We're getting to contact people that we would have loved to have them on season one, but they weren't in New York. And the fact that we had to have them physically in the studio was becoming a problem. Like sometimes we would luck out, like when Ida Rodriguez was around, you know, when when Sasha Mercy came through. Like there's people that are normally LA based that will come to New York, and we would luck out and have them as guests. And right now with this kind of platform, man, we can contact people out in Australia. We can contact people that, you know, are working all over the globe. People are using Zoom. So we're excited. I'm really excited for our first official guest of, yeah. uh, of our Zoom podcasting experience. And oh. we're to come. 
the only thing I'm not excited about, I'll tell you the one thing. Um, so because I live, we live in New York City, I can't have my windows open because you're going to hear all the sounds of the city. And I can't have my fan on because it's really like loud. Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be sweating by the end of it. I know, I know. I know. I had to open my windows. I'm pregnant. I can't, I can't risk the sweat. I can't. It's too many hormones. But no. you have less like sounds of the city that I live next yeah. to the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, like if I turn this camera, you're going to see. Dude. And I mean, I, I, I feel like right now, just random sounds. Like right now there was a car sound, like a alarm car sound for 25 minutes. And I was sitting here like if we were recording and my thing was open, that's all you were going to hear. Or the building next to me, for some reason, someone's always stuck in the elevator and you can hear that like forever. So I don't want to do that to you guys. So I am sweating for the fans. Wow. That's what I'm doing. That kind of sweating for you. I Sacrifice. am not. <laughs> open the window and you will hear all the sounds of Queens. You will hear people revving their stupid Honda Civic engines through my neighborhood. Uh, I, I'll hear uh, guys on their little like motorized bicycles that I don't know why they feel the need to make them join so loud. But I heard it yesterday. I was trying to shoot a video. I'm doing a lot of mommy projects now. I'm getting approached for a lot of mommy projects and I'm pregnant. And um, I was shooting a video yesterday for one of these projects and I had to stop several times. Like if you could see my pissed off face in these outtakes, <laughs> like I get so <laughs> tight. Because not only do I have people in the street making noise, there's in our new apartment, because I moved to a place with windows. Hey, <laughs> I got windows, <laughs> yo. <laughs> and I have a busted fire alarm that keeps beeping because it needs the battery changed. So you're going to hear the occasional beep, and that is, that is the damn fire alarm. I know what that sounds like. I know what that sounds like. So annoying because it just happens every now and then. It's not like a continuous sound, which would still be a problem, but like I'll be chilling and I'll be like, oh God, oh God. It's a freaking fire alarm that's going up. It's not one thing, it's another, but at least I got windows, y'all. Y'all have no idea. It's because with those fire alarms, I feel like every few minutes, maybe like 20 minutes, it wants to be like, hey, 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 hey. Hey, it's preparing me for my Hey, 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 hey. Oh, that's so true. You're gonna. Oh, our guest is here. Should we bring our guest in right now? Yes. Okay, bring our guest in. Oh my God, this is so This is so awesome. This is so exciting. Let's bring our guest in. Sharon, are you with us? Let's see. Let's see. Did she? Did she join us? Did she join us? Ha ha. Did she join us? Not yet. Where's oh, Naomi? Oh, 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 yes! Yeah! <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, can you hear us? I can't hear you right now. We're waiting. We're waiting. She's waiting. For, so give give a full name. Um, just so that they know a little bit more. Are you here with us, Jack? Can you hear us? Okay, she's connecting her audio. Are you? Ah, she's here, ladies and gentlemen. Our wonderful guest, Sharon Swab. Everybody, say hi, hey, Zoom applause, or whatever. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! So wait, what coast are you on right now? Are you on the West Coast? I'm on the West Coast. 
Yes, I left New York. I know. I left New York on February 19th to come here to do a pilot. And then, of course, you know, I, the pilot didn't have, you know, got pushed off and yeah. we got locked down, and here I am. Well, so, let's explain yeah. first how I met Sharon. Now, you were uh, assistant director on Kevin Can Wait, I want to say. Yes. Uh, and we worked together on Kevin Can Wait, and I fell in love with her personality. She's the most amazing human being. She's so had an incredible career and is just has the most amazing stories. Now you, I mean, you've worked on so many projects. Do you have like, what is your favorite thing that you've done in terms of whether it's working on television or working in movies? Do you have a preference between the two? You know, I've, I've sort of had, I've been very fortunate to have a very varied career where I've worked in film and television and, uh, you know, big features and like Avatar <laughs> and tiny independent features. Um, and then television, so episodic and then multi-camera comedies. So I've been really, really fortunate to sort of do it all. Um, I, don't, I mean, I love, I love a, I love a comedy, um, just because I, I prefer to laugh. Uh, I was working on ER years and years ago, and um, you know, it was I would like read the scripts at night and just weep. You know, it's like, really? Did you have to strangle the baby and the, you know, like Noah Wiley's kid? Are you kidding me? Like, what the hell? Um, and then I was fortunate, I had done a, a feature with a very famous uh, indie, indie director named Ken Loach, who's a British guy who's um, amazing. He does sort of these docudramas, um, really phenomenal. And he's won the Palme d'Or at Cannes numerous times. Anyway, he did a, he did a film in LA in 1999 and um, called uh, Bread and Roses, which was about the justice for janitor struggle with the SEIU in the downtown, the janitors working in the buildings downtown. And I was fortunate to be his second assistant director on that film. And then we all went to Cannes, which was unbelievable. Um, but George Lopez was in that movie and that's how I met George. And so when I was working on ER, these kids were like, hey, there's a, we just saw George Lopez. And I'm like, oh really, where? And I was like, oh my God, I know George. And I went to see him. And I, at that point he had just started his television show and I didn't even know he had a TV show at that point. Um, and he was like, hey, what are you doing, Susan? I'm like, it's Sharon. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> close enough, close enough. Starts with an S, ends in an N. Um, and uh, but I hadn't seen, you know, I obviously hadn't seen him in about five years, but he, um, I said, I'm working on ER, and he said, hmm, and he said, well, and then his dressing room ended up being next to where I took my office, because it was like a freaking crazy uh, on the stage. So I took it, one of the dressing rooms as my office, and I'd be there like 16 hours a day, like plotting, you know, who's in the trauma room when some, you know, because you have the that bullpen, that set was so open, you could see everybody. So I'd have to have photo doubles for the people that were supposed to be working on people in the trauma rooms. Um, so it was like a whole crazy thing to, to, to schedule and figure out, but, uh, uh, and quite challenging. But then I would see George, I'd leave and they'd be like having shots at Patron after the show. And I was like, mm. and he was like, so, you know, what, what are you doing? Would you, would you consider, he was like, what do you do over there? I'm like, you know, second day years. Well, if I made some changes, would you come over here? And I was like, uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> so I went from crying, you know, and, you know, dying babies to uh, laughing all day. So that was, and that was uh, like a eureka moment. Like, oh, hallelujah. This is so much better. Well, Sharon, yeah. let me ask, um, how did you get started? Like, where are you from? And like, just in general. 
Well, <laughs> I have kind of a long convoluted story. Um, this is sort of my third career, I guess. I, uh, I, went to, I went to law school. I'm from Chicago, from the Midwest, from Chicago. Uh, decided when I was like 11 years old playing softball on the playground that like, you know, the world was shit and these guys were assholes and I needed to like do something about it. And so uh, I decided that I was going to be a lawyer and go fight the bad guys. And uh, so I went straight through school, went through law school. And then sort of when I got out, some all those bad guys were gone. But I had a lot of uh, musician friends. My boyfriends were always musicians, whatever. So they were like, come, come to California and help us. So I sort of narrowed my scope to helping my musician friends <laughs> against the bad guys out you know, here. And so I came to LA um, and then I got, I started in the music business. I got a career in business and legal, uh, a job in business and legal affairs at MCA Records. And then from there I went to, moved into Average, decided, oh, this is contracts. I don't really wanna do contracts. It's kind of boring. So I, um, it just wasn't my thing. And also when I was in school, I was doing sort of more constitutional law things. So I was like, this isn't really for me. So I uh, switched into advertising and marketing at MCA. And then I went, moved to Cap, I mean, to Capitol Records and was in the A&R department at Capitol Records. And then I managed Capitol Studios. And then Disney decided to start Hollywood Records. And my friend Rachel Matthews, who was, had been at Capitol and A&R, had moved to Hollywood to be VP of A&R. And she brought me over to become a director of A&R and soundtracks. So then I did a whole... <laughs> so then I was in Hollywood doing uh, soundtracks and Queen. They assigned me Queen. So Queen was my band. And I remastered the entire Queen catalog with Brian May. And uh, uh, so that was pretty, but I was doing more also so many soundtracks and I really, really loved the, um, the, the film people and just the camaraderie and the, the fact that it's such a, you know, it's, it, you're not fighting against like in the record business, every band is fighting for, you know, attention record company dollars and they're and you're competing against your own label mates before you even get a record released. So it was just breaking my heart. It was, it's a really rough, you know, plus there were hardly any women in high positions. Actually there were none. Um, <laughs> when I was, when I was in the record business, there was, there were no women heads of labels at all. Um, and, Yet in the film business, like Sherry Lansing at the time was like head of Paramount Studios. So there were women in high positions uh, in film and television. So, um, you know, it's a record business constantly does. It changes. And as things were like, okay, well, this I see the writing on the wall. Um, suddenly the president of my label disappeared. And then Rachel, they went on vacation. They said, oh, she's not coming back. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, and I had known about the Directors Guild has a training program. So that a friend of mine had told me about years ago. So I... Uh, I thought, hmm, I think I saw like on public access or something. I think I saw an, a TV commercial for it. <laughs> it looked really cheesy. And I was like, oh yeah, there's that thing that Tony Broccoli told me about. Maybe I should check that out because I loved, you know, the working relationship and how everybody worked together as a team on film and television. And, and uh, so I thought I'm going to, and I love the production end of music. So I thought I would like the production end of, of uh, film as well. Because um, I was doing, like I said, so many soundtracks that I really was dealing with a lot of that. So I applied to that program, got in, became a DGA trainee, and uh, and then did that for two years, and then you automatically joined the Directors Guild at that point. So that's it. Ah. Wow. No, that, yeah, that's a whole bunch of different like yeah. so, careers, but really exciting careers. Yeah, I, it's it's been good. I've had a, yeah, all good, all good. <laughs> Sharon has stories like 
stories. <laughs> like amazing stories. Like I don't, I, I remember being on the set of Kevin Kuwait, the only like um, pseudo drama that happened. I don't know if you remember, there was an extra that showed up and she was, she caused a problem from the second she showed up. She showed up on set and she didn't like the, she bought her own wig. She wore her own wig. <laughs> Hair and makeup was like, you can't wear that wig. <laughs> it's, it's hideous. And right. she was so angry and, you know, you had empathy for her at first. Cause she's like, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. This is the wig I wear. And right. then, like, you, you can't wear it. Like, we'll give you a nice one. But the, right. I mean, it looked bad, like Halloween wig level <laughs> bad. And she didn't want to be on camera and anything else. So then they put her in, she finally agreed to. And then she was sort of like trying to position everybody in the scene. Like she would be like, I think for continuity, you need to be there. <laughs> You're going to get dragged out of here, lady. Like, all the other extras were staying away from her because they were like, we want to work. She was. No, she really was. She was. We were just like. There's in every show, usually throughout the course of a season, there's always usually one. For the most part, the background artists are fantastic and they really make the scene and help you dress the set and, and make everything look great. Um, yeah, but there was another one too on Kevin Quaid. I don't know if you were, might not have been in it. I don't think it was an episode you were in, but it was a doctor's office and it was the same situation where there was a guy who had a wig and and it looked literally like a helmet. Like it was, it was this black, like shiny thing. And we were like, he's like a Lego character. Like what is happening here? And, and it was like, I can't use him. Like, it's like, it's shiny. And it's anyway. So yeah. <laughs> you know what it made me think of? You ever see, you remember Spaceball? The big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one like that on, uh, on, um, I did a movie called the banger sisters with Goldie Hawn and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And we had, uh, you know, a bunch of background artists one day and an extra and this, this one woman showed up and she looked like, uh, what's her name from Dynasty? She looked, uh, what's her name? The sister wrote books. Nope, nope. Joan Collins, Joan Collins, Joan Collins. Okay, so she looked like Joan Collins. Like she had this hair and she had this like, so much makeup, like crazy eyeliner. And so I, 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 and she stuck out like a sore thumb. And the thing about background artists is you want, to see movement you want to see, but you don't want anybody to stick out because then you, you draw the focus away from what the story you're trying to tell. So they're not supposed to stand out. They're supposed to be very sort of nondescript. Nondescript. So she stuck out like a sore thumb and I was like, oh my God. So I kept taking her, sending her back to the makeup trailer because I was like, ooh, I can't, like she's, she goes by and you're just like, whoa. Um, so I kept sending her back to the makeup trailer and I was like, take her down, take her down. You need to take her down. Because she, she had can't come with all of this stuff on. Well, finally, the makeup artist called me to the trailer and <laughs> to the trailer. And I, she came down on the trailer and she goes, it's permanent. Like the whole, <laughs> they no. kept trying to scrub her face and she didn't say anything. She was completely tattooed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the lips, the eyes, the brows. I mean, it was like, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the thing, like, and, and especially like now it's still a thing, but I think now permanent is subtle. Yeah. But my, oh. my mom has permanent eye, like the, the, what is it? The liner? liner? 
Yeah. And if it was like fresh, it looked very like just dramatic. So I right. can imagine. Oh, that's hilarious. She had the big lines on her lips and then the filler in the lips and then the eyeliner under and over and the brows. And it was just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what did you end up doing? Like, how did you just send her home? Well, I, I just, I just uh, didn't put her in the scene. I just took her out. Yeah. Um, and then I, in other times, I, if I used her, I'd just have her, like, with her back turned. Because I just was like, I can't, you know, she's going to, you're going to be like, what's, what's Elizabeth Taylor doing in the scene, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's got to be, it's the thing with extras where, like, when I did Kevin Kuwait, it was the first time that I was told, like, you can't audibly talk to an extra on camera because then if they respond and they're audible they have right. to get paid as an actor and you pay them that. yeah then you pay them i mean you can talk to them but they have they can't if you talk to them so that it elicits a response then you're in trouble because you have you know yeah <laughs> well the first time i had learned that and i was like oh wow all right so i was just safe talking to a lot of people <laughs> that, makes, right. that makes sense because I, I it is noticeable that there's more reactions than actual audible reactions right and the right. good people like they have to pant, they have to pantomime, you know, and just like yeah. Yeah. If you have a group of five or more in the, and you're gonna see them in a shot, you can have them like do an expression or something that that they sort of all do, you know, but you can't uh, you know get script anybody a line or you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. I think that's every extra's dream is that they're gonna be told, you know and, what? Well, yes, because then you get upgraded, you know. Yeah. Like, Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> You stand out. You, I remember I got in trouble. I was doing the, an episode of The Good Wife and it was, um, I didn't get in trouble for anything I did on camera because I did what I was told, but I had a show that night. And so I had to leave the set early and they were like, well, you can't leave. And I was like, no, I, I this is how I actually make money. Like, leave I, it. <laughs> I actually do have to go. And they were like, well, we're never going to use you again. I have several emails to this day from that same company asking you to do extra work. I'm like, I'm like, I, you said never again. I accepted your offer. And I was still in the episode. Somebody was watching The Good Wife and they were like, is that you in the courtroom? Ah! And I was like, that is just <laughs> your girl. Even though they got upset. <laughs> that's, a, that's definitely a thing though. Extra life is something I did for a little while. And when you know what to do, it's easy. You just use yeah. the background, you blend in, you have fun, you meet people. But yeah. there are people that get starstruck. Um, seeing as how you, oh. like a lot of people, Ooh. you would, I'm sure you've seen people get completely starstruck. Well, we had, I worked on a Disney show called Shake It Up. And uh, we had, there was this girl, this young girl who was super like stocky <laughs> and starstruck and stocky. And she kept, you know, and I, I would find her a couple times. I found her like in the dressing room area after we had wrapped, and I'm like, "What are you doing here? Like, you're not, you don't, you're not supposed to be here. These are also these girls are minors. Like, you're an adult. Like, get the hell out of here." And um, and and uh, she would try to hang around, and it turns. And so eventually, I had to literally have her. You know, basically, I told the casting company, "I was like, you can never send her again." I've asked her repeatedly. She's ends up upstairs in the dressing room area by the kids' rooms and even showed up on, on sometimes on stage when she wasn't even working on our show and she'd just get on the lot and come in and I'd be like, no, no, this, you, this is a, we're professionals here. This is a job. I appreciate when you do the job, but you're not doing the job now. You're not supposed to be here. 
And she continued to do it anyway. I had to basically have her remove, you know, I said, you've got, got to go. And then said, we can't, I'll never, we can never use her again. She ended up being the one, which I, when I read the story like months later, um, I think it was Glee that had some sort of, you know, surprise ending or whatever, whatever it was, it was, you know, a spoiler. And she, and, and everyone had to be confidentiality agreement or whatever. She was an extra on the show. And then she went on social media and what? yeah, and I think they sued her. I mean, she really, yeah, she was like, I was like, oh, when I read it, I was like, oh no, that's that, that's that girl. <laughs> She's <laughs> It's that same one. It's like, oh, she never it's learned her crazy. lesson. It's crazy because like, I mean, I had this idea that like extras were usually actors who want to break into the biz, but it didn't dawn on me that sometimes it could just be people who are fans who want to just be near. Like yeah. that, that's yeah. intense. That's a yeah. little bit frightening. I mean, you know, for the most part, you know, they're, they're all professionals and we get great, you know, you get great background artists who, who really help you make the scene come alive and, uh, and they keep everything moving. So it's not like a stagnant, boring, you know, thing. Um, and so for the most part, they're, all, they're fantastic and we couldn't do what we do without them. Um, but every once in a while you get some cuckoo bird that, you know, you know, sleeps in their car all day, you know, goes to, goes to take a break and falls asleep, on, goes to sleep in their car and then comes, shows up at the end of the night to sign out. It's like, mm, no. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we all have, we all have those stories. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. Now you've worked on so many sitcoms. I mean, I, I have to ask, like, what was it like working on the George Lopez show? Because I'm such a, a such a big George Lopez fan. And I, for that reason, I hope I never meet him. Like, whenever I'm a big fan of somebody, I'm like, I never want to meet you because Aww. I don't want to but, know what I think of you just in case. Right. Um, I mean, I've heard good things about him, but I'm so scared to meet anybody. Like, this is, when it's an actor I like, it's one thing, or a singer I like, it's one thing. But this is comedy. Like, this is my first right. love if I were to meet somebody that I idolized in comedy and then just have my hopes dashed, I'm like, I just, I'm too much <laughs> of a kid. But what was it like working with him and being a part of well, that? Well, you know, like I said, I met him on Bread and Roses, with, which was a Ken Loach movie, in which, where in that film, he played the bad guy. So, yeah, so. Yes. <laughs> He played a real ass, scary asshole. And Ken likes to uh, cast a lot of comedians because your timing is so good. And he likes to cast sort of against type in a way because there's, you know, there's so much depth there, you know, with a lot hey, of comedy. <laughs> so he, so George was the bad guy. So that's where I met him. And then when I got to work on his show, um, I was just like, wow, like this is so much fun because literally we had a blast. Um, and it, and it's, and it was such a great group of people, a great cast, a great crew, you know, from Belita and Constance and Valente. Um, and I mean, I was still friends with a lot of those people. And, uh, uh, and actually yesterday was George's birthday. Um, yeah, George was actually very, very generous with me because, um, you know, like I said, he brought me onto his show. And then years later, he did a guest appearance on Shake It Up. And then he went to do another, was going to do another show for Lionsgate. Um, called St. George, and I've been the second AD, and he moved me up 
you know, I said, I want to be the first. And he moved me, you know, put me forward as the first AD on St. George. So he sort of was the one that sort of gave me an opportunity to move up to first for, on a full-time basis. I'd been doing it sporadically here and there on it, you know, but uh, where it, the whole show started with, with me as the first AD was, uh, that was because of George. So wow. he's been great. He's been great from, with me that way. He's been very, very generous and very loyal. <laughs> Let me ask this, um, for anybody who's like listening, like first AD, second AD, I feel like unless you're in the industry, you don't really know. No what idea what we do. <laughs> right, because right. yeah. it's just like, they know what, like they, they have the idea of an assistant director, right. but not the titles and like what it actually entails. So can you just like, for them, sure. Yeah. Sure. So, the, so there's usually a first AD, a second AD, and a second second AD. Sometimes there's multiple second ADs, and sometimes there's multiple. There's two first ADs. It depends on the type of show, where sometimes you would rotate. Um, but the the first AD is the person who breaks down the script and schedules the shoot, and then runs the set. So that's you know that's what I do. Um, the second AD is the person that does the call sheet, and the call sheet is sort of like the plan for the next day. So they are planning what I, what I want to shoot the next day. They're getting it all organized and talking, you know, um, talking to all the departments so that every, all the props and the grips and the electrics and the customers and the makeup people say, tomorrow we're going to be shooting this and to make sure everyone is ready for what you're shooting on the second day, on the next day. Um, and then you also have usually a second, second AD. And that's the person that's on the set, usually with me, that's helping set the background. Um, now, I've worked with uh, Patrizia, who you remember, Patrizia, who's Italian, as my key second, and she would do the call sheet, but she loved to set the background. So she would also be the person on set. And in that instance, the second second AD was the person that would be running what we call first team, which is the, the actors and getting everybody ready, sort of be backstage or behind the scenes. So, this, so the, the second ADs are usually dealing with getting people ready and getting everybody on set and to the set and what's happening tomorrow so that everybody knows what the plan is and making it happen. And I'm the one that when I get the script, I break it all down, talk to the director, figure out what it is we need to shoot in what order and uh, so that we can, and then, we, then, I, then I'm on the set, you know, calling out the roles and cuts and moving on and all that. <laughs> Wow. I mean, it, again, if, if some people, I mean, I know myself as a New Yorker, um, I have seen live tapings of certain shows that are multi-cam, but some people literally have never even experienced what really goes into a show. So they just think uh, of a director and actors. And right. that's, it. that's what they assume. But that's like really exciting. Well, it's a whole, I mean, the whole crew is so critical um, on a show. And that's why you have so many people. People are like, why do you need so many people? Well, everybody has a job. And it's, uh, it's such a collaboration. So it's such a team. So you've got hair, makeup, and wardrobe who are getting the actors and everybody ready before anybody else sometimes even comes in. Then you've got the grips and electrics that are lighting the set and making sure that everybody, you know, is, is got the light, you know, like my light here, have like my light here and make myself look a little better. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the director of photography and then helping decide, figure out what cameras are gonna shoot what, what angles or on a, on a multi-camera show you've got through four cameras shooting at the same time. So right. that whole dance in, its, in, in and of itself. Um, so, you, and then when the actors go to work, then everybody else kind of stands down. And then in, then in between takes, you know, got hair and makeup rush in, writers rush in, you know, um, lighting comes in and adjusts that light to make sure that it's, you know, that, you, that it's, if we had a shadow on someone's face or a boom shadow or something, so everybody has a job to do and, uh, and we all do it together as a team. And, uh, 
my job is to keep it all moving and to keep us on schedule and have the schedule and keep us on, on that schedule so we can get our work done in the amount of time we have. Um, I, I'm curious, right now with like the whole quarantine and the situation, how do you see the industry like affected? Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we're all unemployed. <laughs> Although I'm wonder, I was sort of wondering on that uh, Global Citizens United uh, thing, Lady Gaga seemed to have someone operating her camera and she had some pretty good lighting. So I'm like, what's happening there? Because I feel like for the most part, we're, we're, nobody's working. Um, and uh, we're all just, you know, I mean, people are working on writing things and, and all of that, but um, how we come back will be interesting. You know, I'm not quite sure how it's how it's going to happen. I'm sure that there'll be a lot of um, guidelines put in place in terms of keeping keeping everybody safe. Because on a film set, you know, you're on a stage and it's and for multiple hours of a day, say, you know, sometimes you know could be eight, could be ten, could be fourteen hours in a day or longer. Hopefully not. Um, you know, but you've got a group of say seventy to a hundred people at times all together working. Um, and how do you, you know, and then there's craft service, which is where the, the sort of the, where, it, where everybody goes to graze and when you've got a few minutes and everybody's say, eating food and touching food. And um, so I think it's, that's, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, people, um, but we're all problem solvers. And uh, I mean, and I feel like the film industry and television industry in general um, are people that know how to make things happen in a short amount of time and we're great at figuring stuff out. Um, so I think, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a way to make sure that everybody's, you know, safe. You know, usually there's a medic usually on the set. So that's, you know, potentially there'll be some, you know, maybe the medic's role will get larger in terms of making sure that we're all safe when we come to work and we stay that way. And maybe having more breaks so that people can wash their hands and, you know, I don't know, you know. I mean, it would, it would be ideal to like get to the place where we can test quickly because yeah. in those situations, it's like anybody who comes in, you take your little quick test. If your temperature yeah. is a certain, you gotta go, you're yeah. dismissed. Yeah, so yeah. I, feel like, I feel like that's sort of what people are hoping will happen is that they'll, be, they'll be, be able to test people very quickly and know when you come to work that you're safe, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And then everyone feels safe and then we just all practice good hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh don't you know lick your fingers and stick your hand in the you know whatever yeah. not, you know <laughs> craft services will probably be the biggest issue because it's like everybody congregates for yeah. lunch there and it's yeah. like no touching things right. making craft sure yeah craft you know i think that's going to be the biggest issue and also actors interacting with each other like you can't have six feet of space between two actors so no. maybe you know manning everybody with hand sanitizer, like when makeup comes in to redo you, they also have to give you hand sanitizer or they have to do this or do that. Right. Um, it, it's well, we just, be interesting. Yeah, we'll just have to make sure that when we are, have scenes where people are, have to be interacting in a very close way, obviously that, uh, you know, that nobody's carrying anything, you know? Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be an interesting be tricky. That. And comedy too, like wondering when people are gonna be sitting in comedy clubs close to each other again. Yeah or any audiences, when we have a multi-camera sitcom show, we bring in a live audience on uh, tape night. And, um, you know, that's, you know, you, you, you love that because it's, you know, you have that great energy yeah. and, uh, and the crew is all together and we're all right behind the scenes and it's a whole little group of 
you know, writers and producers and myself and the director, and we're moving our back and forth and the script supervisor, and we're all, we're all huddled together, like this little, little team going back and forth from set to set. Um, and the same thing on a single camera um, show where you're, you know, you're shooting, I mean, you don't have an audience in that instance, but you, but you are together Let the monitor looking to make sure that you're getting the shots that you want and everybody's kind of, yeah, there's a lot of closeness. Yeah, there is, especially on the really good sets. Like you've, I mean, you've worked on some amazing shows that I feel like, I mean, you've worked on Cristela, you've worked on um, Kevin Can Wait, you've worked on the George Lopez show. You've worked on shows that I can watch and connect to as a New Yorker, as, you know, a woman of color. And I mean, that had to be a different experience on each set for you as a person. Have you ever like taken a step back and looked at the breadth of what you've done, like all of the stuff that you've done and been like, Wow, what an amazing collection of people to have worked with and to have yeah, connected with. I've been very fortunate. Um, when I was a trainee, I ended up, uh, we were assigned by the person that was head of the, head of the uh, training program for the Directors Guild. And I got assigned to this one particular show and it was the first AD was a guy named Ricardo Mendez Mata, who's Puerto Rican and like went to USC film and is a director and a first AD and just like such a calm, amazing, like smart, wise human. And um, I was so fortunate to work with Ricardo. And then as the years went on, I would work, I ended up, once I graduated, I ended up working with Ricardo more and more. And Ricardo, because there, there were not that many, or are not that many Latino, uh, Latinx, whatever, um, people in the first 80s in the guild, he would get all these projects. And in addition to, to working with him. Then I also ended up with George Lopez, which was sort of through Ricardo, because Ricardo was the first AD on the Ken Loach movie. Um, and then I also worked on Brothers Garcia. So I ended up work, I don't know, and it was, I was like this blonde, you know, like from the Midwest, uh, you know, sort of like La Huera. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> how I ended up, you know, uh, you know was, was, was sort of interesting to me, but uh, a lot of it is, was because of Ricardo and then also George. Um, and uh, and it's been it's been great, you know. I mean, I'm I'm really it's like I don't know how I ended up being this little you know white blonde girl that got to work on all these great Latin shows, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that. We were talking about this, Gina and I, as we were like doing a little stalking ourselves on your work. Um, <laughs> just the fact that like the Latino land. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm hiding what it says, but it said that's what she said. <laughs> um, just like your work has, I feel like it's, it's such a representation of the Latino landscape for television. Yeah. Like myself, like I, I think one of my last projects in like undergrad was breaking down the George Lopez show. Oh really? Yeah, and it was like it was it was literally going into the archetypes of like what how the show was structured and how he the show ent entirely used um, the sitcom formula and really followed it but changed it in a way that everything that followed after so Cristela all these other ones had um, like doors available to them you right. know with the way that the characters were absolutely. Presented. So just to know that that's like on your resume, in, in many ways, you're part of like that history for Latino television. I guess I am. <laughs> and it, it really was great too. I mean, it's, we had a, we had a blast and, um, and that show, that show really still holds up. Like when it comes on like Nickelodeon, Nick at night or whatever, you know, TV, whatever, it, whatever it's, wherever it's on. 
I still watch it and I still laugh my head off. It's, you know, it's, he's, it's really funny show. They're all funny. Belita and, you know, George is amazing. Um, and now those, you know, the kids are, I'm still friends. Like I know, I know the kid, you know, Lewis and Masiella who are the kids. I'm still, I still know them. I still see them every once in a while. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that was pretty, it's been an amazing, um, I don't, you know, it wasn't exact. it's just like, you know, the John Lennon, you know, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. I mean, I had no idea that's, I was going to end up doing all of these things. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I've been very fortunate. What about for yourself? Like, do you have, do you see yourself working on a personal project at any point? Um, Absolutely. You know? um, yeah. I kept thinking like when we did St. George, it was one of these uh, Lionsgate 1090s. So you do 10 episodes and then if it gets picked up, you get the whole run of 100 episodes so we would be other 90 sadly we didn't get picked up for the back 90 um but those producers uh and the directors were just like you totally should be directing and if we get picked up you'll you're going to be directing and i was like that would be great that's what i would like to do um didn't happen and then on christella i was like oh hope it, again fingers crossed and then you know we didn't get a second season so i was like <laughs> so it's sort of, and then when I got on Kevin, Kevin can wait, I was like, oh, it's never happening here. Like, this is a whole boys thing. It's not gonna, that's not that happening. Love you, Kevin, but not happening there. Um, he doesn't even like directors and he, we're, we just had wonderful Andy Fickman for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't going to be a ch an opportunity for me. Um, so I'm, you know, and I was hoping that it might happen on Mr. Iglesias. I was happy, you know, hoping, but it, you know, it hasn't yet, but and meanwhile, I've been producing and directing little shorts and different things and directing things on my own. Um, when I would, when I, even when I was in the beginning of my career, I would, I got, would get sent off um, with like a B camera crew to shoot things. So I have a lot of things that I actually did went, that I that wasn't, didn't get credit for, but I actually had experience, you know, I was directing Benicio Del Toro and things in the fan. I was directing, um, the bear and uh, Dr. Doolittle too, and the raccoons, uh, that was all me. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of great stuff that I was able to do um, just, you know, because they'd, they'd leave me behind and say like, would you stay behind and get these shots that we need? Um, so that, so that's great. And then uh, uh, during my quarantine, I, uh, I took, uh, I wrote a, I wrote a short film and I've got a couple other, you know, projects um, that I'm involved with, with another writer friend of mine. Um, actually one of them we were trying to, we were about to have a meeting with George cause she wrote a part that for George in this, in her, in this, uh, script and then, uh, all of this happened. So we didn't get to, to, uh, pitch it to him yet, but, um, so, you know, who knows, who knows, there's, there's obviously, you know, things coming down the line and, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be doing something. I'll be directing at some point soon. Wow. No, that's amazing. Cause like women directors in general in the industry, I feel like every single female director matters like every single one because every single female director is changing the landscape yeah and you said it the boys club because there's still very much and it's and it still very much is it still very much is unfortunately i mean you, we'd like to think a lot of things have changed and things have changed but it's still it's still a rough road it's a little tricky you know you gotta get get the right break and get somebody to be like oh yeah totally you know you seem to have navigated through the rough water <laughs> pretty well. <laughs> um, and me and Catherine, we, we had talked about your work and everything. And in discussing that, you know, Catherine came up with this uh, sort of great question for you. If you were starting now in the industry now as it is, um, are there things that exist now on the landscape 
that didn't exist when you started that you could use to your advantage or that you feel that you could use to your advantage? Well, well, I mean, I do think there are, you know, there are women in film groups that are, that are great. There's a lot more women that have production companies now that are looking for, you know, for women to be a part of it. So I think it, there's, it's first for, for a young woman starting out, it's, there's, there are more places to go, you know, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Reese Witherspoon and, and uh, this is a lot of great women producers that are, you know, that are uh, and, and women of color that are doing wonderful things and, and really being inclusive. So and giving women an opportunity, which is great. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Yeah, we are very thankful for all that stuff, because as they make advances, like it opens the doors for that next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coming yeah. up. Yeah, that's true. So um, we have this last segment that we usually do. Um, it's called a Dear Gina segment. And so okay. fans of Gina submit a question. Usually they're very random, but we like to keep it as fun as possible. This week, um, Gina, do you want to? Yeah, I'm going to our Dear Gina. And what we do is like we offer them advice. Like at the end, we, we each take a, a chance awesome. to offer them some advice um, based on our learned knowledge of life. <laughs> 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 I think you'll be okay, Sharon. Well, I mean, this is, I had, I did, I, you sh yesterday was, this is like night and day from what I looked like yesterday, because this oh, quarantine yeah. thing has been People like, yeah. see me wearing, I'm, I'm actually wearing pants. Congratulations, everybody. And I am not. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, but thank God I bought these like uh, bathing suit cover things before this all oh, happened. Yeah. I was going to be like in the, in the, in the south of France. And uh, thank God, because I, it's like Caftan City, so I just been wearing well, You look amazing. <laughs> hair, I did hair and makeup. But I have, there's like three eyelash, eyelash extensions left on each eye. <laughs> Catherine knows that eyelash extension life. I, uh, I only get eyelashes when somebody's doing my makeup, and they're like, do you mind if I put eyelashes on? And I'm like, if you can get them on me, go for it. Like, <laughs> If you can get them all without my eyes watering and them falling off seconds later, do your thing. <laughs> I look like I have two holes in my head if uh, if I don't have, you know. But And then the other night with that earthquake, I really thought, I've been oh eating God, so right. much. I literally was, I, I was walking from one room to the next and the china cabinet rattled and I was like, holy crap, have I gained that much weight that I'm causing the china cabinet to rattle? <laughs> and I actually went back and did it again to see if it would happen again. And I was like, uh. You're like, no, oh, they got it. Wasn't me. It was, the it was an earthquake. It's <laughs> shaking some sense into us right now. Yeah. So here's our dear Gina. Uh, dear Gina, I started seeing this guy. We have been dating about two months. I decided to stay with him during quarantine because I didn't want to be alone. Things were good at first, but now we're fighting almost every day. I think he's a great guy, but now I don't know if I want to be in this when the quarantine is over. Um, this is not the first report of fighting in relationships. Oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, I, there's so much. And this is a new relationship. Like, part right. of wants to say, give it some time. Like, maybe you guys can take a break afterwards and give each other some breathing room. But this is an intense time to spend with somebody that you're just getting to know. And you don't know how this person handles pressure. And for right. a lot of people, there, you know, there's different ways of handling the current situation. Some people have higher anxiety than others. Some people 
just don't freak out because I'm not an easy freak. Like the world could be on fire right now, and I'd be like, "Well, oh, I guess this is how I die." Like I'm just not. I don't. I don't <laughs> panic about. Like it's sociopathic how much I don't panic about things. But some people are just like that. They're just like they just don't panic easily, and then some people panic at the drop of a hat. You don't know who you're dealing with yet. You've only been with this guy for two months, and this is but- an extreme situation. Well, yeah, and I think being being in a quarantine with somebody, especially somebody that you don't really know, I mean, you are, it's like going from zero to 60, you know, in a relationship. Like, you weren't really planning. Usually, relationships, say, you see somebody for like an hour or two, four, maybe you spend the night, maybe, whatever, it's a few hours. It's not 24-7 within the same four walls. Like, that's a really asking a lot of a relationship, and especially in the early days. So I feel like, um, you know, cut some cut each other some slack maybe he is he if he does he have a place he could go to and be on his own because maybe you shouldn't be in quarantine together and you should start over again when it's over and see if you can get along but you know what it's like now living with him so at least there's that i mean i because i i agree like the whole like it's it's extreme because yeah. like first well for myself i'm single so i think that that first decision of like quarantining together i would have no like i would have not I probably, I could see in the beginning being like, this can't last so long, so whatever. Right. Or, you know, like, I think a lot of people did think, like, I don't want to be alone because if you were. So I get that, but I hope they have two rooms because at least if you have two rooms, (laughs) you go over there, I sit over here, I'll see you for 30 minutes every, you know, two hours. But, like, that's intense. Like, you really don't. Here's the worst part. You get to know somebody. Right, you do. The best part of the beginning is honestly the the honeymoon, the yeah. first sexual stuff. No, you're married. Like you're basically at in You're changing in- diapers. It's not pretty. Oh my god. <laughs> like, essentially invading his space too. Like you're staying with him. Oh, oh. she's oh. oh she's staying with him. Yeah. Oh she's staying with him. Oh, that's even that added pressure of like, wow, all right, I'm staying within this person's space. So do I even speak up a lot about what's bothering me? Oh, dear. I'm in your space now. So that means I got to bounce. If this goes sour, it's not you that's got to leave. I got to bounce. Right. Right. The added pressure of like, how comfortable do I feel like traveling back to my place, depending on how far. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the initially, because I live alone as well. And initially I was thinking, boy, you know, it would be nice. And actually I went, I was, when I went to take this writing class before it even started, I went to this intro and there was a guy there who was kind of like, huh, hmm. it doesn't happen to me very often. And he was talking to me and I was like, hmm, what's happening here? Is he like, what's going on? And, uh, and so then when this all started, I thought maybe that's the whole reason it was so that I could meet this, uh, this is my brain. I could meet this person and then, you know, and he's French and blah, blah. Okay. Crazy girl. But, uh, you know, and then I was like, well, wouldn't it be nice? Maybe he could come and like stay with me during this quarantine. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. (laughs) (laughs) I have have friends who have quarantine booths, like real quarantine booths, but you know, they go back and forth to their places. Like, I think it's a little bit unsafe because I'm really like, you don't know what they're doing when like they're not with you. Well, yeah, where they're going and who they're passing by. It's, you know, it's the crazy. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand that, like, 
thought that, oh, I don't want to be alone or this could be fun. I think though, because it's his home, she probably feels like restricted, I'm you sure. know? Because like, I feel like as, as women, we like to have things that we need. So it could be anything. It could be our moisturizer. It could be yeah. where oh. the towels are. It could be anything. And I feel like he's probably most comfortable because it's his house, you know? So he's really him at this well, and, and then you just put the, all of that in, into the context of this global stress of what's happening in the world, which nobody knows what the hell is gonna, going on and what we can do to fix it. And it's, and it's uncharted territory. And everybody's like, there's a little, there's an undercurrent of terror, <laughs> I should say, because it's like, you can't see it. What the hell, how are we going to, uh, where's the money coming? You know, all those things. There's economic stresses and financial stresses and then emotional stress of it. Um, and you add, and you put that really new relationship into a situation like that, and it's it's really asking a lot. It's really a lot to deal with. It's just in and of itself, a brand new relationship is a lot. So, yeah, that's kind of hard. Um, I got a foster dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You have two foster dogs, and then I got a second one. <laughs> I found we got we found the brother. So now I have two knuckleheads. <laughs> Aww, okay, see that's better. That's a better yeah. solution for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a distraction for me, but, and I'm not alone. Cause I can, if I'm walking around talking, it's, it, you can, I just be talking to the dogs. I'm not crazy. Let me ask you a question. What is your, your sign? Like astrologically? I'm a Libra. Oh. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Libra. No, so, we, we love talking about astrology here because it helps us like really. What are you guys? What are you? Aries, see, Aries, Libra, seven, seven, you know. Yeah. I always have great Libra, Libra female relationships. My Libra male relationships never seem to pan really? out very well. Hmm. I've dated two Libras long term, and it was one was one ended kind of like eh, one, and one was not no, oh. not good at all. But well. my Aries Libra girlfriend friendships are. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. I I think, you know, well, Libras are, Libras are tricky because, uh, you know, we're really a pain in the ass because (laughs) the Libra brain is just, you know, oh, do I do this? Do I do that? And then, you know, we have to literally exhaust every alternative before we make a decision. Then once the decision's made, there's no going back because I thought it through and that's the right thing. So don't even tell me that I'm wrong. So yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, which is why it's great for Libra Aries because I just do, I go, I should kick that can. And then I kick it. Yes. <laughs> you should not have done that. That wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I need that balance. All of my Libra people are, cause cancers were emotional people. The good thing about having Libras is because they weigh everything out. Like as much as some people could see that as annoying, I look at it as that's the best advice. To be given because they really waited out yeah and no it's good I'm it's hard a, to be in this brain but it's but it's good once it you know <laughs> for others like for others i sometimes i'm so deep in like i feel how i feel about this and they'll be like okay great i get that but let's weigh this out and like you said once the decision is made i can't really argue it because everything's been weighed out oh, and yeah. oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And explain like, this is the reason why, or this is the reason why not. And you're just yeah. like, oh. That's okay. a nice balance to have, because Aries people are like, feelings, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> you still have those? That's crazy. <laughs> why would you do things like that? Why would you feel things? <laughs> Well, we have uh, we've loved, absolutely loved having you on. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It was nice. Any projects you have uh, coming up after the quarantine or anything they can see that you've done pre-quarantine that they can watch? Oh, I don't, uh, well, nothing yet that I can, that, that's, uh, that's, you know, in, yeah, I mean, I wrote a short and I've got like a, two other projects that I'm working on, plus the one with my with my writing friend, Natasha. Um, but uh, n nothing that has is happening yet because nothing's happening. But, you know, <laughs> hopefully it will be. So just go to Sharon IMDb and uh, watch everything she's done. That's <laughs> that's incredible. Watch Bread and Roses. That was a really good one. That was that Ken Loach film. That was really good. Um, that was a, an amazing experience. Do you and, know where uh, people can find it? Like, is it? on any platform? You know, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's old now. We literally went to, literally 20 years ago, this May, we were going to Cannes. Wow. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. So, and it's funny because the costume designer, Michelle Michelle, who uh, is Mexican, she's called me from Cuernavaca the other night. And uh, she, I was like, Michelle, do you believe it? 20 years ago, we were like, getting ourselves like, what are we going to wear on the red carpet? Ah! You know, oh um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know where you can find it, but it, Ken Loach is a, you know, uh, I don't know, just Google Ken Loach. Uh, Bread and Roses is the only film he made in the States. He's made a lot of films, um, but his films are pretty spectacular. Any of any of his films, if you want to watch them, they're great. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully Natasha and I will have a, we'll have a show and then I'll get my, do my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing a, 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 a short about uh, Notre Dame and, um, uh, and that fire and what that meant. And, uh, and then I have another one that I just, that I wrote in my class. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. That's amazing. Catherine, tell the people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It is Catherine G. Mendoza. On Twitter, it's Kathy Grace24. And then I have a TikTok, but I can't remember. I think it's Catherine G. Mendoza. <laughs> I'm, at Swab I'm at Swabala, S W A B A L A. On Instagram? On Instagram and uh, Twitter, too, I think. Oh, however, that works. Yes, I'm Swabala. Can <laughs> you give us the at and the spelling just for Yes, them? it's at S W A B A L A, like a swab A L A, Swabala. Nice. Awesome. You guys know you can find me at G Brion on Instagram, Gina Brion for all the other platforms. Um, I always like to leave the podcast with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day. If you're going through a lot, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time, uh, bye everybody. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. So great to see you guys. Thanks. Hey, <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Swimming it like David. Okay. Yeah, do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm -hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.